Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I'd like to talk about a concept called the Phantom's Contract. Um, so I've talked about the idea of the customer quality contract and the idea is that early in the program you sit down and think about all the aspects of what the the customer experiences and feels about not just your product but their experience with you with your company so this is you know really should be very free form and not believed to be you're writing down things you have to commit to because you should be free to write down things like, you know, what is it like when you open the package of our product? I mean, we all so I, we all have products that I think we're impressed from that very moment. I know with Apple products, um, you know, unboxing them, which you actually people have YouTube videos of, which amazes me. <clears throat> um, I've seen my kids watching unboxing videos for toys and stuff. But that's because there's a certain sensation of opening a really neat product, um, you know, to the degree of a Christmas present, right? It's a very different experience if somebody just throws a cardboard box in a corner and says Merry Christmas versus, uh, you know, something that's wrapped in beautiful paper with a ribbon on it. And, you know, when I open uh, a product that has had very thoughtful packaging, there's this experience of different textures and, and shapes and motions I go through. And it's very intuitive. You know, I don't, I'm not puzzled or confused. I'm not struggling, right? Um, I'm not cutting open blister packaging with, you know, scissors and pulling on it, hoping I don't cut myself. Uh, it's almost like undoing origami. So even something like that can be in your customer quality contract. Um, and then, of course, there are things like, you know, use life, um, you know, what happens with random issues? What happens when random issues occur? What's it like when they interact with you? What's it like, you know, with, you know, with service and um, how they're treated when they are, there are problems? This can include, uh, you know, how they transfer from your current product to your next generation product even. Um, you know, you can go as far as what is the textures of your product and how does that change over time? So these are, it really should, if you've done it comprehensive, comprehensively, almost have elements in there for just about every department in your company. And, um, you know, that can it'd be a really interesting thing to look at when it's completed. And it doesn't have to be called a customer quality contract. I mean, that's a, a term that, I, you know, ASQ had created for some other aspects of quality. A lot of times I let people, you know, name it any way they like. Um, but I wrote an article <clears throat> kind of talking about this and, um, you know, I got a lot of good responses on it. And I was reading some of the responses and I was actually uh, in a a meeting. I was in kind of like a workshop meeting thing with some people and we had kind of finished what we were doing and we were feeling a little uh, burnt out even. And I kind of threw out this idea. I said, hey, can you guys, can we talk about this and see if we can come up with a, a name for this that's better, something a little more catchy? And I described the concept and we settled on the Phantom's contract. Uh, kind of cool. 
And the idea being that there's this presence for your entire program that is you're aware of and is providing input, so to speak. Because when you've done that process of really the brainstorming of all the different elements, you will then continue to refine it, you know, in maybe a few reviews early in the program to make something that you are committing to. You know, it should be something that is following along with the program and influencing you. And it should almost have the element of a punch list, you know, like a contractor doing a big building a house. They have this punch list that they're going through and effectively the project's not done till every element on there, you know, is completed. So when you do refine this down to your final phantoms contract, you should be aware that you are committing to all these elements and make sure that you can complete all of these elements. So here's the process uh, that I do kind of at just a simple high level. List the key elements, you know, the customer's experience. And this includes a lot of those, you know, parts that I talked about. And sometimes it can be hard sitting in your office speculating about this. So doing a customer, you know, survey um, with past and current customers and hiring a third party to do it, so it's independent and kind of anonymous, can yield some really interesting elements. And it's not going to just be people complaining about things that are unsatisfied. You might find that people describe things that they really enjoy about your product or your company or the experience they have with your company that you were totally unaware of, things that you could emphasize or continue to invest in to make sure are consistent parts of the experience. So we're going to get all of that on paper and, you know, maybe a few sessions. Like I said, there might be activities, uh, you know, such as going into the field. Um, you definitely want to go across every major, um, you know, department and group and get some input on it because everybody's going to have thoughts on it. Everybody has a different vantage point to view what's going on with the customer. So I, you can, we can call this the phantom elements if we like to, you know, continue to give it fun names. So after we have our phantom element list that make up the phantom contract, metrics are great for two reasons. First, they tell us if we're going in the right direction. Um, you know, you can't, without any kind of metric, you're meandering, basically. You need to have a you know destination in mind to know if you're progressing towards it. If you're putting the same amount of energy into something, and you're not progressing at the same rate, you're probably not going in the most optimal direction. The second reason why metrics are so important is the principle that if you measure something, it almost always automatically begins to improve. So simply measuring more equals improving more. And you know that's a principle that's been shown going way back. I think it was Deming who first really pointed it out, but it is so true. Um, you know, I've, you know, at first it sounds a little bit kind of fluff, but it really is very true. I, I've experimented with it where I've just created a metric for something somewhat ambiguous, you know, when in running a team. And there's just that human nature element of want, you know, when you're aware of something, wanting it to be better. Um, if you have kids, just do it with them just for the sake of it. Measure how far they can throw something and just, you know, don't say anything about it. And you're going to find out that they're going to come to you bragging within a few days that they can throw it farther now, just simply because it was measured. And uh, it's very much that same effect. 
Um, kids aren't different than adults. They just have less layers on top that edit their behavior. So you can get some real truth about human nature. Um, I love watching my kids and seeing what they do and say. Uh, and a lot of times it's a lot of inspiration for understanding what adults do. So then a critical part. Uh, we need to make sure the contract doesn't just get completed and put away, right? It's the phantoms, the phantom, you know, customer contract, not the absent customer. Um, this doesn't do any good if they're not present, right? They have, it has to be something that is there and influencing us. Um, we are checking against those metrics. We are checking for anything that had a timeline that it's occurring within a timeline. You know, is it really meaningful to have a measurement of something that is going to deliver at a time it can't have an impact, right? There's no reason to do something as simple as have a metric for what the product feels like in the hands of the customer if that is going to really first come into everybody's consciousness again when you've finished all the, you know, the industrial design. You're not going to have something such as suggestions for better feel, you know, slow down a program. We have to keep it, you know, anchored to the right points, which also then goes to my anchoring um, methodology that you, know, you may have heard me talk about. Okay, now that we have that, uh, we should take this and lay it over our high-level product program plan. And this will then effectively, again, uh, look for the points where these different elements of the contract can be locked in. So this is like a contractor who is building from the foundation up and you can't decide to change the shape of a room once you've put up the walls, right? You put up the studs for the walls and decide to change the room. It's possible, but you have to undo the work that you did and it would have made a lot more sense to have a point in time when the room shapes were locked in. And in doing that, you're kind of giving everybody this speak now or forever hold your peace who has an interest in what that outcome is. So the contract can't just be created and put away and the contract can't be created and not attached to the higher level program plan. So then we need to create a dashboard for it or something that helps keep it present. And this would be um, a method uh, in our program, such as all major program meetings, a lot five minutes at the end of it to take a look at the phantom contract. You know, the there will be elements that are highlighted because they're closest in schedule to where we are, you know, or in the near future. And we need to give them some attention at these moments when we're evaluating the program and making big decisions. So it, it has to be part of our process. It has to be connected to activities, live activities. I mean, maybe it's design reviews. Maybe it's leadership meetings. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's stand-up meetings in the morning. But they have to be there, and they have to be consistent. So that's the Phantom's contract in a simple high-level uh, description. Uh, I really think you should experiment with it. I think you should bring it up when programs begin. I think you'd be very surprised that if you bring it to a broad audience, you know, this is beyond the audience that might be there as you're creating the outline for a program, what kind of things they think are important? 
Um, I think you'll be especially surprised if you take it to the field and do a little bit of interviewing and investigation in the field, both by looking at the past, what you've documented that's occurred and responses uh, from the customers or even service. And of course, new information from interviews and you know, effectively doing assessments. I think you'll also be very surprised. And you have to remember, this isn't just for the program you're doing now. You're beginning to shape what will be different practices going forward, different values, values that are aligned with what's important to your customer. So it has a lasting effect um, going on from project to project, improving farther and farther. Think about products you enjoy tremendously and how there's a consistency. There's uh, different parts of your experiences that you associate with that brand. Right? You can probably think of many brands that you really love. And you know, I listed one. I really enjoy my Apple products because I feel like they fully, fully have assessed and are addressing how I feel about you know, their product, what I experience with their product. So that's the Phantoms contract. Um, I hope everybody's doing great out there, and we'll talk again soon.